Welcome to the Raising Parents podcast. Kids don't come with manuals. Your kids look to you, but who do you look for for support? Our goal at Raising Parents is to support you in the important mission of parenting. Often, we can feel unequipped for the task of parenting. Our children are constantly growing and every day holds new challenges and opportunities. We believe that informed and transformed parents can positively impact their children's lives. So join us as we look at social science and Christian faith to practically equip you for the journey. Today's topic, handling your child's big feelings and handling your own. I'm your host today, Amy Adwell-Palker, associate pastor here at Highland Park Community Church and a parent of three on the journey. And I am so honored to be here today with Kiri Corbett, a congregant here at Highland Park, the director of Kids Work Preschool in Casper, and a Conscious Discipline Certified Educator. She has been loving God and loving children for most of her adult life and even before that, and her wisdom and insight is just going to help us do what we do every day better. So Kiri, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I'm honored to have you on our podcast. So excited to be here. Man, we had a great time getting ready for this podcast over at Blue Ridge Coffee, and we talked till they kicked us out, (laughs) and I was so impacted by the things you shared and just concrete ways to be a better parent and deal with the tricky stuff of my kids' big feelings, which often trigger my own Mm -hmm. big feelings. And so, Kiri, I was was feeling like, oh, stink. I wish I would have known this stuff 15 years ago when I was a new mom. And so I just want to speak to those parents out there as we listen and learn and grow, where we can feel like I'm failing or I don't know how to do this or I'm not doing it right. You had a great illustration that I'd like you to share about that. Yes. So when I get to work with parents and teachers and many of them have been doing this for longer than I have, um, the car seat progression, as I like to say, we, we have a picture of what car seats used to look like a long time ago, and it was nothing. And then it was just a seat in the car. And then we look at car seats that started with a metal bar, and now we get them checked by fire, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're, they're getting balanced and, you know, all these things. And so the whole point in that is that each parent is doing what they know. And each parent, you know, we wouldn't now put our child in a metal car seat, but that's because we know more. And so the more that we learn, we can use different skills. Awesome. And I think the encouragement there is, you know, like our children and our grandparents, they survived. And so, but maybe we wanted, we always want to do something more for our kids. You know, we work to like help our children be better off financially than maybe we were growing up. Mm -hmm. So today we're talking about how to help our children be better off emotionally Mm -hmm. than maybe we were growing up. And that can be a tough feeling. Um, But I just want to share this idea that's actually part of social science research and makes me laugh every time. And the idea is called the good enough parent. (laughs) This is an official idea um, by D.W. Winnicott. And he talks about how the ordinary good mother, the ordinary good father creates the sound instincts of normal parents, creates stable, healthy families. So as we talk about getting better today, I just want you to know that whatever you have been doing as ordinary parents, that we're good enough, that (laughs) God's giving us what we need 
And today and tomorrow, we can be even better than we have been. We can keep growing. And we don't have to be perfect. And we don't have to be ideal. And even as our children, in this idea of the ordinary parent, the good enough parent, as our children deal with their disillusionment with the world and with us as parents, it prepares them for, get this, reality. (laughs) A world that's disappointing. Instead of a utopia where we've smoothed out every wrinkle for them, it helps them be able to face the difficulties of life. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about conflict in the family. And so mm-hmm. often as parents, I see a conflict as an interruption. Yes. But there's another way to see it. <laughs> well, I think we see as as a parent, you know, myself as a teacher, an administrator, any kind of profession, anytime there's conflict, we see it as a disruption. And so when we look at conflict as an opportunity to teach, I think... I mean, we could probably end the podcast there and give everyone a little reflecting time that when conflict erupts in your household, think, oh, awesome. This is a point for me to teach. And I will (laughs) say with COVID and our family of five, three kids, two adults being locked together for weeks on end, there was a lot of opportunity. (laughs) And by that, I mean a lot of conflict between siblings. Relationships have been stressed and taxed because all the ordinary buffers of leaving the house and having friends and having workout time and having extracurricular activities and going to school. Mm -hmm. Those things were taken away. And so those relationships were taxed and there was extra conflict and there was big feelings. So where do all these big feelings come from, Kiri? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, we always say in conscious discipline, adult first. Mm. And often as parents, we don't really want to hear that because we think, no, no, it's my child that's having the big feelings. It's my child that doesn't know how to handle disappointment. But then we think about ourselves and I'm thinking, do we know how to handle disappointment? Mm. And so, you know, first looking at ourselves as the adult, where do where do our feelings stem from? Okay, it's from disappointment. We know all about that in 2021. Yeah. So our disappointment, in, you know, during COVID maybe came from the lack of work or the time at home. Now, some of you, your child's disappointment comes from not getting the right plate at dinner time. Or that you said they can't have five cookies before dinner. Um, And so, you know, in a preschool environment, that's where I could spend most of my days. They say a conflict happens every 60 seconds. No, I love that fact. (laughs) Fact, because as parents, if we're at home with preschool children Mm -hmm. and one conflict is happening every minute, we're not thinking, oh, I'm statistically normal. We're thinking, what's wrong with my children? Yeah. What's wrong with my family? Why can't I get a moment? Why can't I get a minute of peace and quiet? And the truth is, you, you don't. You. It's every 50, <laughs> every 59 seconds, right? There's a new issue to deal with. So there's so many opportunities to teach new so skills. <laughs> yes. So our kids' big feelings, they trigger emotional responses in us. So right. they're screaming, they're yelling, they're fighting, they're sibling rivalry. They trigger responses in us. So mm-hmm. what do we do to, if it's adult first, Yeah. how do I deal with myself? How do I manage myself before I try to manage my children, yeah. which we're going to get to? So Amy thought of this really interesting, you know, analogy of when we're on the flight on a plane, they always tell you, secure your oxygen mask first and then help others around you. Now, I think of that we all have like this internal clacker. And so often with young kids, their clackers are constantly this fast, you know. And if our clacker starts to also start clacking, 
we, what happens, we pick up this crying baby and we're starting to pack their back and we say, you're okay, you're okay, you're fine, you're fine, you're okay, you're okay. And then they get a little older and we're still kind of saying the same things to them. They're, they're crying because they don't get a cookie and we're saying, you're okay, you're fine, you're fine. Or we're so irritated that they're frustrated and they're disappointed that then we're saying, this is not worth crying about. Go in your room. This is, that's enough. And so we're responding in that way because we've found ourselves in our emotional state. Mm, yeah. So when we pick up a baby that's crying and we say, you're safe, you can handle this, I'm here. Then we're saying to ourselves, I can handle this. So when there's conflict erupting, erupting in your household, I think the first step is we have to control our composure, mm. our control, our clacker. So we're taking a deep breath. <sighs> that feels good. I can, it does. <laughs> I can handle that. this. I've got this. Now, what that's doing for you as the parent is saying, okay, I can, I've got this. And you're kind of thinking like, um, what am I going to do next? <laughs> now, maybe you've come into a sibling rivalry and if you're with kids five and under, it might be like aggression towards each other. So you're just going to scoot yourself in between those two and you're holding both of them or you're just in between them. So everyone stays safe and you're just taking deep, deep breaths. And maybe you're even saying out loud, you're safe. We can handle this. One thing I Got noticed this. from your first baby example to your second mm -hmm. and our um, our listeners couldn't hear this but or couldn't see this but in the first one you were tapping the baby really fast mm -hmm. on your chest the imaginary baby yes and the second one the hand was there of presence but it wasn't moving really fast mm -hmm. so there's I see a slowing down yeah. that's happening and the breathing helps us to slow down and be in the moment so yeah. a slowing down of our thoughts mm -hmm. of our breath of our action, of our tone, of our volume. Yeah. And you know, I told you, Amy, when we were meeting earlier, it reminds me of what Jesus would do. Mm. If when I come to him in prayer and I have all this anxiety or, or maybe I have anger towards a certain situation, he doesn't say, you're fine. You're okay. You're okay, Carrie. You're okay. You're okay. It's and let like, me pause this. What, yeah. what doesn't work with that? Because sometimes that feels like I'm doing a great job. I'm mm. saying, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Sure. I'm, I'm loving them. I'm, I'm trying to take away the bad feeling because mm. I love you so much. I don't want you to feel bad. So I'm going to take away your bad feeling. Sure. So that there are worse reactions, but why is there, why is this one maybe not the best reaction? And then you'll offer us another one. Yeah. So we'll kind of get into here in a minute of like naming the feeling of saying, oh, this is real for you. Hmm. You know, we don't want to say that for, to a three-year-old that's crying about, a plate because in our mind we're like this isn't a big deal like you didn't get the color plate you wanted what, what's the big deal but we're just naming that they are disappointed yeah and so you know when when we come to Jesus and we're praying he he does that composure of hey I'm right here you're safe we've got this and then we are going to get to how a different way to handle it just as Jesus would to us you know Amazing. So we're talking about, we're caring for ourselves first, we're breathing, we're slowing down, we're calming ourselves before we engage the child. So what do we do next for the child that can't self-regulate, mm -hmm. that is freaking out? They're screaming, they're yelling, they're mm -hmm. hitting, they're whining, all the things that are annoying us as parents. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that parent that's just like, this what is next? driving me nuts? Yeah, totally. I'm trying to calm myself. 
maybe I've been able to calm myself a little bit more than usual, but what next? How do I engage this child? So I think, first of all, something that was really interesting when, when I first started learning about the brain and how a child's brain just develops is that kids cannot self-regulate. So when we're disappointed as adults, we have this conversation in our head, you know, like, okay, Kiri, it's really not that big of a deal that Starbucks is out of your drink. And I'm like, no, it, no, it is a big deal. And so I'm having this dialogue within myself of self-regulating. Kids don't know how to self-regulate yet. So what we say to them is going to literally be their blueprint. So that can be a little scary because whatever we say to them and they're upset is going to be what is literally downloaded onto them. And I just want to pause there because I think this is such a big deal. And this is the kind of thing that gives me like literal shivers at night (laughs) is to think that the words I'm speaking over my child and into my child in my moment of peace and calm, but also my moment of frustration, that external dialogue that I'm mm. giving is being imprinted in their brain mm-hmm. and becomes part of their internal dialogue. Yeah. So it's really important mm-hmm. that I calm myself and that I speak words of love, words of encouragement, words of positivity, mm-hmm. because I'm imprinting. Like, like silly things happen to my family. I didn't know I said this, but I guess I say, oh, that's cute outfit. That's stylish. I didn't know I said the word stylish a lot. (laughs) And so my three-year-old, when I had a little three-year-old, was like, your hat is stylish. And I thought that was hilarious. I was like, honey, (laughs) can you believe she said stylish? That's so funny. And my husband said, you say that all the time. All the time. Uh I was like, no, I don't. And he's like, yes, you do. So we're not even aware. So we're working on building that awareness. What are the words coming out of our mouth? Do we want that repeating in our child's like psyche? Do we want that yes. being their narration and, and moving that ratio of positive to negative, like a goal, they call it the magic ratio is five positive to one negative. And it's I'm tough. saying like, as an honest parent, like sometimes I get five to one, but the opposite. Yeah. And sure. so we're just like moving that needle, like, yeah. you know, four to two, three to, yes. you know, like, like moving towards mm-hmm. speaking positive words of life in their moment of freak out mm-hmm. and conflict and saying, you can handle this. Yeah. When I think, you know, Amy, that is so good because I think, you know, we, ha- what I, use at kids works and um, really just in my life in general is, is conscious discipline. So this is a social emotional based program. However, those two words are really helpful because just like you said, Amy, we're so unaware of what plops out of our mouth. So conscious, we want to be conscious of what we are saying and that comes through composure. So when we're triggered because our child is losing it, we are not going to be aware of what comes out of our mouth next, you know? Um, and so then discipline. So a lot of a lot of parents might be saying, okay, when is she going to get to the discipline part? Like, when do we discipline them for screaming? And, but, you know, looking at the root of discipline is disciple. Disciple means to teach. And so we're hoping to give them a new skill. So we're going to say to them in the middle of this losing it moment, you seem disappointed. We're going to name their feeling. You might not have any idea what feeling is happening with them. A lot of times you're going to have an idea. Okay, you said no to something. Oh, you seem disappointed. Disappointed for parents that have kids five and under. That really is going to be your go-to feeling because 
everything's okay and so just to repeat that's the phrase you seem blank yeah and if they're five and under i mean you're gonna know as a parent if it's anger if it's sadness sure. but a lot of times it's disappointment for mm. not getting their way because mm-hmm. kids feel like they're not powerful yeah. they don't get to choose their own clothes sometimes yes. when they're little yeah what they're gonna eat they don't get to say the rules so mm-hmm. naming the feeling yes. you seem blank and you not just said it you said it but with empathy and i saw yeah. on your face you were mirroring this emotion back to them yeah. and that's really important for validating that feeling so mm-hmm. instead of yelling at them don't have a feeling and instead of feeling Dismissing. go away mm-hmm. You don't need to feel that way. This isn't really a problem. They're clearly feeling it. Instead of feel better, feel better, feel better, which I think, you know, sometimes as moms, like we, we just, we, we want to fix it. Mm-hmm. And and dads, you know, dads like to solve too. So mm-hmm. we want to like solve it. But instead you're talking about something different. Yeah. We're going to create space to hold this feeling. Yeah. We're going to mirror it to them mm-hmm. and we're going to name it. Yeah. So you say, you seem disappointed. Yeah. And, and this is so helpful regardless of what age you're going through. Okay. So to a three-year-old, and I think the tone is important because when they're crying because they can't have their fifth cookie or because it's time to clean up in your head, you're thinking this is not a big deal. So it could easily come out as like, huh, you seem disappointed. (laughs) But of really saying in their world right now, it is a big deal when it's time to clean up. It is a big deal when they don't get the color of plate they want. So we're genuinely saying you seem disappointed. Or even up the up the age and it's like you didn't get the phone call, you didn't make the team. Sure. And you know, I use this as an adult on myself all the time. You know, I I am coaching myself and I'm um, engaged right now and I'm I'm also been coaching my fiance of how to help me go through an emotion and so you know because likewise he wants to help me fix an emotion or you know a feeling that pops up and so of just naming it you seem disappointed you didn't get your way that's hard so I'm going to repeat that because again um, for parents this is going to be like a constant tagline you seem disappointed you didn't get your way. That's hard. Then you're going to be taking some deep breaths. So remember, this is the importance of that composure piece, because there's no way if you're triggered by a child's feeling that you're going to be able to come up with these words. So maybe parents need to write them on a three by five card and (laughs) put them on the fridge or at the dinner table or wherever Mm. those explosions keep happening. Sure. Yeah, that would be super helpful. I think, yeah, seeing it, you're saying you seem disappointed you can handle this. This is hard. And then you're breathing. Now, some of you have kids that you're going to be able to just scoop up and put them on your chest and you're just breathing. So holding them, giving them some comfort. It's hard not to get your way. And some are like, don't touch me. (laughs) So you're just going to open your body language to them and say like, you, you're safe. You, you got this. Now, then we're getting to what skill are we going to give them? So we're trying to replace an unhelpful behavior with a helpful behavior, but that does require us as the parent to recognize that a feeling is happening. Mm. And so we're saying, you, you seem disappointed. It's hard not to get your way. Okay, now here's the skill, is just saying, you can handle this. You got this. Now, um, I have a five-year-old niece and I told her that we were going to go get ice cream and we got to the store and it was closed. And so 
as the aunt, I'm like, well, shoot, I promised her we're going to get ice cream and the store's closed. And I actually literally can't do anything about that. And so, you know, she's been able to grow up with conscious discipline and us being, trying to be really mindful. Of course we have oopses all the time, but she's like, I didn't get my way. This is hard. I can handle it. And we just breathed together because that's all we could do. And I think seeing that in a five-year-old was pretty amazing because I know a lot of adults that can't even handle disappointment like that. Mm. And so the skill then would be, you know, taking a deep breath and saying, I didn't get my way. But maybe the feeling is they were mad because their brother just took their toy. And so we're saying, oh, you seem mad. You didn't like it when your brother took your toy. Hold out your hand like this and say, that's mine. So the skill that we're giving them there is instead of hitting their brother, we're saying, hold out your hand and say, that's mine. So again, this will require us to have composure because we're having to think, what skill do we want them to have here? What's going to be more helpful um, than screaming at me or hitting or biting or whatever unhelpful skill? So you're trying to think, okay, what do I want them to be doing instead? So that's a teaching piece. So we first, we manage ourselves Mm -hmm. and then we open ourselves to a child. We take some deep breaths. We say, you seem, and we name an emotion. And then we say, you can handle this. That's hard. Mm -hmm. And then the teaching piece Mm -hmm. next time. And that's where we come in with the the better behavior than the tantrum or the scream fest. Yeah. And you know, none of this in teaching a new skill, we say science shows that a child has to do something 2,000 times in context before it becomes a skill. So when you're teaching your child how to handle disappointment or you're teaching your child to, you know, tell their, even, you know, teenagers to tell their sister, like, I don't like it when you take my clothes from my closet. We have to teach them that skill 2,000 times because what happens is they still have the skill of hitting. They're always going to have the skill of hitting. Um, they're always going to have the skill of yelling or whatever, but our goal as the parent is to give them a new skill, but they're still going to have those unhelpful skills. So we want to offer them that skill over and over again. We're teaching that skill just as we do when we teach academics, when we teach ABCs, we give them how many chances to learn that, but we have no tolerance for teaching new social emotional skill. That's fascinating. Like when we think of learning multiplication facts and we're just like fact, 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 and we practice it so many times so that when we need it instantly, it's accessible. I hear you saying that these emotional skills, these social skills have to be practiced in the same way. And so that's going to require a greater patience capacity Mm -hmm. in ourselves. And I'd like to share a little bit of research from Dr. John Gottman, and he calls this emotion coaching. It's a really similar idea to conscious discipline. Mm -hmm. And he says that children who understand their feelings and learn about their emotions, and parents are a really key teacher of this. Sometimes the schools partner with us in this. Sometimes the churches do. But when we talk with our kids about their feelings and teach them their emotions, these are the advantages they have. Mm -hmm. They form stronger friendships with other children. They calm themselves down more quickly when they get upset. They do better in school. They handle their moods better and have fewer negative emotions. And they even get sick less often. Mm. So that's Mm -hmm. some amazing research that can encourage us to say, okay, it's exhausting to say 2,000 times, you seem disappointed. Yes. You know, (laughs) let's next time use a small voice and say what you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But there's amazing benefit for our children. And Dr. Meg Meeker talks about how as parents, 
and especially moms coaching our sons and dads too, coaching their sons and giving them an emotional vocabulary for even simple words like sad, angry, disappointed, um, to speak those emotion words and to name it can help the child to name that emotion and then to release it. So we're not denying it or minimizing it, but by naming it and giving space for it, it's not overpowering us. Yes. And I asked you a funny question. I said, Kiri, what ages does this work for? <laughs> mm-hmm. What's your response to that? Yes, everything everything. I mean, this goes from, I don't think I would know how to be an administrator if I didn't know these skills. I use the, you know, I use this on adults, adults use it on me, you know, infants. Yes. Across the board. So all ages, this is part of our human condition. And I just want to speak more broadly. I think sometimes in the Christian community, there's been a really negative sense about emotions. I know when I was growing up, there was a Christian book that was really popular called emotions. Can you trust them? (laughs) And it was by a famous author. And the implied answer was, no, you can't. They'll Mm. lead you to sin. Mm. But even when we look at the life of Jesus, we Mm. see he suffered grief Mm. at the death of Lazarus. He was angry in the temple when he saw people using God's house uh, to to rip people off and make money. Um, So he, God shows emotions. Jesus shows emotions. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. So he made us this way. He made us as emotional beings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Bible has so much to say. Songs of lament, songs of sadness about processing our feelings instead of just burying them. So these same ideas of making space, calming ourselves, naming them, um, and then learning a new skill. You know, what is God teaching us? What is he calling us to? And I think about a verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put childish things away. And I think sometimes as Christian parents, we're eager for our children to show maturity mm-hmm. and godliness and character. And so when they do something childish, because they are <clears throat> children, <laughs> right? We're like, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Don't yell, don't scream, don't hit, don't don't have a feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing some counseling work on my own, and the counselor said to me, you know, Amy, it seems like it's really hard for you when someone in your family has a feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought to myself, ouch, like yeah. I'm training to be a therapist. I thought I was okay with feelings. Well, I just really want to like take them away and make people feel better. And so, you know, as Apostle Paul said, whatever you've seen in me, and heard from me and learned from me, put this into practice. So I want to encourage the parent out there, the mother and father, that we have to keep doing our own emotional work. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a study, but I'm thinking like every hour I spend growing up and working on my spirit and in therapy, I must be like saving my kids like 20. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not, the Bible talks about generational sin and generational blessing and we're handing stuff down just like I didn't know I was saying stylish. There's other (laughs) things good and bad. I probably don't know I'm doing. And so the word here is like our children will be immature and they will speak and act and think like children. Mm-hmm. And they, like you said, they can't even reason until they're six or seven. Yeah. They yeah. can't like talk themselves down. So yeah. our voice becomes the voice that's teaching them to bring in some rational thoughts yeah. to, to move from just this, I feel, and therefore I hit mm-hmm. or I scream. Mm-hmm. And 
could you tell us something about like, what is that movement for a child from like feeling to action Mm. and then adding a few more steps in there as they get older or how do we model that? Yeah. Well, you know, and I just kept thinking as you were going, I think my, the encouragement that I want to give parents to is the goal is not to raise compliant children for 18 years and then they get out of your household. Mm. God entrusted us to be parents because we're raising successful adults. And so when we go through processes of um, giving them composure and being able to name a feeling and to handle it in a more helpful way, that's raising successful adults, not just compliance in your household for 18 years. Wow, that's beautiful. I think sometimes we can sell ourselves short by just like, Mm -hmm. you know, go to your room, sort it out. Yeah. I want some quiet and peace, but you're saying we're, we're teaching skills that they can learn for life. And if you're feeling like this is good, but I need more help with this, and yeah. I'm definitely feeling that too. <laughs> Kiri Corbett teaches conscious discipline classes here mm-hmm. in Casper, and I'm sure they're available all over the country as well yes. with different uh, parent educators and um, certified instructors. So yeah. There's hope for us. We can keep learning. We can keep growing. Remember the car seat. We're just, we're moving it forward. That's right. Learning new skills. Yeah. And if anyone's interested further, um, Conscious Discipline has great materials, of course. Um, you can always find me through Kids Works Preschool on social media. Um, we offer free parent nights. Um, so we'd love to have anyone from the community That's join. awesome. Yeah. Next steps right there. So I just want to close with speaking this word to our parents. These are some of the affirmations that we can speak to our children in their moment of hurt. And I want to speak them to our parents. Mm -hmm. It's hard to not get your way, but you've got this. You can handle it. Keep breathing. You are beloved. Thanks for joining us here on Raising Parents Podcast. We love you. We're proud of you. You can do it. You got this. You got this. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Amen.